Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, national columnist for NBC Sports, here with Michael Shore, executive producer of Parks and Recreation in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, Michael. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. I didn't say to yours, to you and yours. You're I feel right. like that's it's, what you're supposed to say, right? You're right? It's not just for you. It's for also for yours. In fact, in fact, yours are more important than you, kind of really. Is, yeah. <laughs> you, it's like whatever, but yours, that's who I really want to talk to. So we're, we're trying to record this thing um, in a completely different way, which I'm sure is going to be a disaster, but it's the only way that we can hear each other. So we're going to, we're going to go ahead and, and try it. A, uh, a Thanksgiving-laden podcast this week, would you agree? Yes, the whole theme here is Thanksgiving. Total theme, total yeah. theme of Thanksgiving, which I think is great. Um, and so we're going to start with a, a, little, a little argument, if you will, uh, a little mini disagreement between us. Uh, the question is, football on Thanksgiving, good thing, bad thing, right? That seems to be the, yes. the general theme. And this, it'll be one of those like sort of uh, slightly phony around the horn style disagreements where we both kind of like both sides, but some producer told us we have to disagree with each other. So we're going to just fakely disagree. Yeah, which I think there's not enough of, frankly, in the world today is <laughs> a lot of fake disagreements. So, um, but I like football on, on, on Thanksgiving. I, I'd say I see the negatives, but I, but I think the positives outweigh the negatives of football on Thanksgiving. Um, this Thanksgiving, we've got uh, the Lions and Packers, which could not be less interesting of a game this year. Um, we got the Steelers and Raiders, which actually, I take it back, that is less interesting of a game. <laughs> You're doing a terrible job of arguing that football on Thanksgiving is good. No, I'm wrong. We have the Raiders and Cowboys. We have the Steelers and Ravens. Um, none of them are interesting. But I think that's what's great about, about it, because I don't really watch football. On, on during Thanksgiving, I just sit in front of the television and let it like wash over me. I, I, to me, it's like that. I've been doing that since I was a kid. I love stuff that that um, has been around since I was a kid. I mean, that's kind of a big thing for me. I don't. Everything in sports has changed so much. There feels like there is nothing. Um, there's nothing left over. It's like everything is just different than it used to be, but. Here's one thing that is not different. It's like the Lions will always be playing a meaningless game on Thanksgiving, and the Cowboys will be playing like a sort of meaningful game, but but not really. They're not really playing a team that 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 it ma- I mean, they're not playing like a team in their division or anything. They're just playing some some team like the Raiders that you don't really care how the game turns out. And I like that. I like Thanksgiving having meaningless football on television. It's on in my house all day. It just it's on nonstop, and uh, and so I like it. I, I I feel like it's it's one of those things that probably wasn't that great an idea to start with, but now that they've been doing it for fifty years, I love it. I, I just think it's it's part of part of the holiday. So just to reiterate, the things you like about football on Thanksgiving are the teams you're not interested play meaningless games against each other, and that never changes. That's right. In yeah. fact, in in years that that I have been somewhat interested in the game, whether I've had to actually go because the team I was writing about was was there, or my team, like when the Browns played in it, not as much fun. I don't want that. I don't. To me, it's it's. <laughs> I don't want meaningful football on Thanksgiving, but I love having meaningless football on Thanksgiving. It, it, you're, it's like you're arguing that the great <laughs> thing about turkey is that it has no taste. Like what? Like it just provides fuel to keep you alive. I, I actually agree with that too. I actually <laughs> feel I actually feel that way too. No, I well, football to me is the is the one sport that America agrees with that America will watch it even if they don't care about the two teams. I mean, like baseball. Like you and I were baseball fans, and we'll watch you know uh, an Angels Mariners game because it's on. But but football is is the one sport I think maybe a little bit of the NBA, especially if there's like a big star playing. But football is the one sport where the sport itself is is good enough that that people will watch it even if they don't care. And that's how I've always watched the NFL. It's like I will watch games. I don't care who wins or loses. I just like the you know it just being there. And 
Thanksgiving is like the ultimate representation of that for me. Well, I, if, if I'm forced to take the don't like position, uh, my don't likes are a little bit contradictory. Okay. Uh, but I stand by all of them. First of all, <laughs> it's the same teams every year. Right. Uh, to some extent. And the Lions have not been great for a while. And they're, they're more interesting now than they were, you know, 10 years ago or something. But they're still not great. And then the uh, Cowboys, it's just terrible to watch the Cowboys. I, I can't stand it. It's the, although, here's the thing. I have a little bit of a theory that the Cowboys are actually now more likable because of the Tony Romo backlash. Because everybody hates Tony Romo and thinks Tony Romo can't win games. It's actually kind of, I, 1% of me is now rooting for the Cowboys. Because Tony Romo is really good. And he's had a couple high-profile, uh, you know, screw-ups in big moments and stuff. But it's the fact that everybody is saying that Tony Romo can't win big games is making me want Tony Romo to win big games. Now, don't get me wrong. I hate the Cowboys. Okay. I'll say the Cowboys. They're the worst. They'll never actually be likable because of Jerry Jones and because of the sort of America's team nonsense and because they built a stadium with a TV that's so big it interferes with punts and stuff like that that cost a trillion dollars. But I think they are more likable now than maybe they were a couple of years ago because crazily this Tony Romo thing has, has given the Cowboys something they've never had, which is a little bit of an underdog quality, a very small amount of underdog quality. I like that you. I like that you gave it one percent. Yeah, to me, no, that's 100%. that feels like that's about right. One percent on this. Yeah, it's one percent. But I don't. I just don't like that every year. It's like you know you're going to watch the Lions and you know you're going to watch the Cowboys, and it's kind of annoying to me. And the bigger thing is that I what I really don't like about it is a sort of big picture thing, which is that I think it gave the NFL this idea to to put games on Thursdays all year. I agree with that. And I think that's bad. I think it's really bad for the game. I don't like the short weeks. It seems like the injury risk is higher, although I don't know if that's borne out in actual data. But I don't like that teams have to have to gear up for games three days after they play another game. I think it makes the schedule really weird. I think it's disruptive and difficult. And and uh, football is is Sundays to me. And I and the. Thanksgiving now no longer even feels special because there's games on there's a game on every Thursday and I it's just now there's football on every Sunday every Monday and every Thursday the whole year and then there's a couple Saturday games after the college season ends and you know there's games in London and now there's going to be games in you know whatever Barcelona and, and and Malaysia and stuff and it's it's starting to feel less like football to me. And I think I don't think the players like it. I don't think the owners like it. I mean, I think the owners like it because it's good for ratings. I think the NFL likes it because it, it, they're using it to build their NFL network and all that sort of stuff. But it just I think that this all sprung out of this Thanksgiving tradition, which now doesn't even have the benefit of feeling special because the games are on Thursdays all year. Yeah, well, I agree with all of that. But I think you're blaming Thanksgiving for something that it had nothing to do with. Okay. <laughs> Thanksgiving was way better when there were no Thursday night games. There's no question about it. And I totally agree with you. I despise the Thursday night games, except for Thanksgiving. I mean, that's what made Thanksgiving special. In, in, in a lot of ways, it was like all of these bowl games popping up in college football. And it's not the fault of the, like, the Rose Bowl that there were 10,000 other bowls that came up, but it somewhat diminished the Rose Bowl. You know, it's somewhat diminished New Year's Day to have all of these other bulls flying all around and, and, and making a mess of things. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I just think it should only be on Thanksgiving and it should only be the Lions and, and the Cowboys. And, and you, should, you should really embrace the fact that you hate the Cowboys and that you, they play on Thanksgiving. I mean, that, that to me was what I always liked doing. I always liked just kind of watching the game and like, oh, God, the Lions are on, so this game is meaningless. Oh, now the Cowboys are on, so I have a team to root against. It, it feels like that to me is like a tradition. And I just, I, I do think in, 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 I'm not being serious at all, but in somewhat of a serious manner that I, I wish that we had some things that would just kind of survive. It, it just kind of feels like, you know, I, I'm all for change. I'm all for for things getting better, I'm all for, you know, adjusting to sports. But there are certain things that are kind of cool when you think about how the fact that, that they've been around for 
a long time. And, and I think sometimes we just get away from things just because it's convenient. And one of those is like just not having Thursday night football, um, make an opening day wherever we want it to be instead of kind of focusing it on one place. Uh, some of the things that I just like because it was a tradition, some of those things are gone and, and I kind of wish that they weren't. Yeah, that's fair. I, it, it's, it, it's a nice tradition and there is something, you know, I grew up in new England and so Thanksgiving was, you know, actual Thanksgiving. Like it, you, when you went outside and it was 43 degrees and sort of rainy and sad and gray, you did you did feel like well this is probably what it was roughly like when thanksgiving started right so and there was a, there's like a there's this a certain sound that fills your house when a football game is on on thanksgiving there's a certain feeling that you get i live in california now so it's 71 and sunny right and you don't get that same feeling but i i i see what you mean i like i don't mind the tradition of it and i i just feel like the actual it of it is kind of uh kind of nothing but, but here's the question: Will you watch? Will you watch football? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, it'll be on, and it'll be part of the, you know, part of the. I mean, it's weird in LA too because the game started like four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> so it's it's strange. Uh, it's not quite what it is in the on the East Coast, but I, yeah, no, I, I I'll watch the games. I'll have them on. I'll pay attention. It'll be great when the Lions lose, you know, twenty one <laughs> to six, like they do every year. Um, but I mean, there are certainly things, even with the teams that play every year, like it's always fun to watch Megatron and I find it kind of interesting to watch what happens to Tony Romo. Like there's always the NFL is, there's a story in every game. That's part of what makes it so great. And what makes the league so great is there are stories in every single game that are worth paying attention to and following. So, um, yeah, I'll watch. Well, we sort of agree. We really, I don't. I don't view it as really disagreeing that much because I, I feel like it's not, as, it's not as meaningful as it used to be. By the way, you mentioned earlier there that, uh, that uh, the games are on, obviously, on the West Coast way early. It shouldn't be that way, right? They should just put them on tape delay. Nobody cares. Nobody's really watching those games live anyway. And, and nobody is going to like go, oh, I have to know if the Lions won. So they should just put them on tape delay so that, that the West Coast gets the same experience that everybody else has. They, it should be on all afternoon. That's how it should work. Yeah. I. Good luck trying to tell the people <laughs> who are selling ads for these games in the only thing that people watch consistently live on television that they should delay the results three hours. That'll, that'll go over real well. Well, the, the, the fortunate thing is I don't care about those people. So, <laughs> okay, so, so we're taking the Thanksgiving theme right on through into our draft. Um, and, and our draft uh, this week is uh, things that we are legitimately thankful for um, with the caveat that it can't be anything like really meaningful, right? I mean, again, we're obviously thankful for our family and our friends and drinking water and healthcare, whatever. We're, we're thankful for all that stuff, yeah. but, but none of that is eligible. By the this. way, the caveat that it, that this, that the draft has to be, um, things that aren't actually meaningful should be a general caveat for the whole <laughs> podcast system. It should that should be a disclaimer at the beginning, just so you know none of this is actually meaningful. I think people know that though, right? Coming in, they don't. I mean, I, they do, but it's a, it might be legally good to remind them at the beginning of every podcast that none of this is meaningful. You wouldn't want somebody wandering in by mistake. No, because we could we could both get sued, frankly. <laughs> I I really totally bought into your podcast. I don't understand. Just wasted so much time. <laughs> I thought this was meaningful. Yeah, I, I people will sue us. All right, so we're um, all right. So, but you have the first pick in the draft. So uh, I, again, things we are thankful for. Since this is uh, it's to some measure a sports related uh, podcast, I'm going to start off by uh, saying that I'm actually thankful for. Tom Brady slash Boston sports. I know everybody who ever listens to this podcast is probably sick of me talking about this, but it should be noted that specifically Tom Brady, because football season is as uh, we're in the middle of football season right now, but in a larger sense, Boston sports has given me more great sports memories in the last 15 years than any fan of any city ever really deserves in any meaningful way. And the you know the last Sunday night was the uh, was the Manning Brady showdown 
and you know the Broncos are up twenty four nothing, and I'm like, it's so amazing to have Tom Brady as your quarterback because they're down twenty four nothing, and I didn't think they were going to win, but I knew that the story of the game wasn't going to be forty eight nothing. I knew that there was going to be a comeback, that they were going to make adjustments at halftime, whatever that means, that their luck was going to turn, that they were going to score some points and make the game competitive, that it was essentially worth it to keep watching. And any, the only thing any sports fan can ever really ask for from his or her home teams is that the games are worth watching and sticking with. And I've had that consistently, really, for... 15 years for probably more than 15 years in a variety of sports. It's really <laughs> unbelievable. And, uh, and I, I think of it every time I watch that guy play that, you know, whoever the next quarterback of the Patriots is could be a great quarterback, could be amazing, could be wonderful, highly rated statistical genius, whatever that person isn't going to be Tom Brady and it's going to be a huge bummer. So I'm trying to sort of remind myself all the time that, that um, this is a once-in-a-lifetime situation and that I should be thankful for every moment of it as a Patriots fan. Well, it's interesting because I, when I was watching that game, which was, which was a great game, the Sunday night game, and, and I was watching it, and I watched the Patriots come back, and I watched them, you know, the game going overtime and, and the Patriots win on that crazy punt, you know, hitting the player and all that. My first thought was, Michael Shore doesn't deserve this. That was literally my first thought. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. None of us deserves this. And, you know, before the Red Sox won a World Series, I was talking to my friend Dave, and I was saying, like, you know, we asked the Patriots of, of nothing. We asked nothing of them. Like, they, all they were doing at the time was winning Super Bowls and going 14-2 and two every single year. And the entire city of Boston was so focused on the Red Sox that we were like, well, yeah, great, Tom Brady, 2001, 2003, 2004, whatever. But we, we, it's like we were at the time taking it for granted in part because we were also focused on whether the Red Sox were going to break through. And now, you know, the, the, the consistency and the kind of um, otherworldly level of play, that this, I mean, this franchise, they lost their four best, re- he lost his four best receivers. <laughs> And the team is eight and three, and they're right now would have a first round bye in the playoffs. It's just, it just doesn't happen, and, and no one, no one really deserves it, and certainly uh, I don't deserve it. So <laughs> I'm thankful for Tom Brady at Boston in general, as well. You should be. That I think that's a that's a very fair one. So since you started with a sport one, I will start with a sports one as well. Um, uh, I am going to say I am thankful for for Vince Scully, and and uh, you know I think everybody who is a baseball fan uh, is thankful for Vince Scully, but, but there's like kind of a specific reason for it. You know, I was, I was sitting there listening the other day, I was flipping channels and I, and I saw uh, Will Ferrell doing his um, Harry Carey impression, which is hilarious and, and, and awesome. And I realized that people think that's what Harry Carey sounded like. I mean, that's the, that's, he has become that it's like Harry Carey. When people, do Harry Carey impressions now, they're really doing Will Ferrell impressions, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that seems to be where it goes. And it occurs to me that a lot of people, uh, that, that I'm getting older, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you, but you probably still also remember when, when Harry Carey was actually announcing the real Harry Carey. And the real Harry Carey was awesome. He was absolutely fantastic as an announcer. He was like loud and and half drunk and 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 rumbling at the players and just you you would tune into games just to hear him i mean he was so he was just so great i i thought and and he's gone and when he's gone you're like well somebody else will replace him but nobody else does it's like great announcers don't get replaced it's like other people might come along that are really good in their own way but there'll never be anybody as good as harry carey and and he's 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 pretty long gone at this point. Vin is still here. Vin is still doing the Vin Scully, you know, broadcast nightly, you know, when when the Dodgers are home. And it is amazing. He's he's, you know, been doing this for fifty plus years and he's still great. And he's not he's not the same as he used to be. He's not exactly his voice is a little bit different and crackles a little more and he'll make more mistakes and all that. But you're still getting the Vin Scully experience, and how lucky are we to do, to still get that? I mean, he's still doing this thing after all these years, and I, I just think 
when I, when I think about great moments in sports, when I think about what I love about sports, um, so much of it is stuff we catch on TV or catch on the radio, and so much of it is transmitted through the voices of these people, and it's hard to do. It's, it's hard to be great at it, and Vince Scully uh, continues to be great, and so I'll just start off by saying super thankful for, for Vince Scully. It's a great choice. It's a, he's he's worth being thankful for, and I will say that although I'm not a Dodger fan by any stretch of the imagination, if I'm driving in my car and I hear his voice, I will then just listen to his voice until I get <laughs> to where I'm going because it's uh, it's unlike any other um, experience of of having baseball described to you. And you know, Charlie Steiner does the middle innings and in, on Dodger games on the radio. And I think Charlie Steiner's really good. Like he's, yeah. I like his voice, and I like listening to him and stuff. But you can't help but feel like, no, go back, <laughs> go, put put Vin back on the mic. Um, it, it, it's yeah, you'll, there'll never be anyone like him. In part because they'll never let anybody do it alone ever. Well, that's the other thing. No one will ever let an announcer do it on on TV or on the radio alone ever again. It just won't happen. Could you imagine? Could you imagine like a really good announcer, like uh, you know, a John Miller or, or somebody like that, coming in and saying, "Here's what I want to do. I want to do the broadcast by myself. Yeah, and I want to basically talk the entire time, mm-hmm. and I want your your crew like on TV. They just their job is to just follow what I'm saying and figure out what I'm doing, and then show that. That's yeah. like like I'm producing and directing the show also from the yeah. booth. And um, uh, and also, I want to do it for sixty years. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's one of a kind. He's he's the only one that deserves it. So uh, fantastic. So Vince Scully, cool. All right, well done. My second choice for what I'm thankful for is the internet. Now, a lot of the internet is a wasteland. We all know that. There's a lot of garbage on the internet. There's a lot of nonsense. You can go down a lot of rabbit holes. However, it has made my life and the lives of many people so much easier. Uh, like just for in in the simple realm of of sports fandom, the way the speed with which you get information and in which you can look things up and which you can find scores of games and anything like that in any location anywhere in the world at any time, it's made the the it's made sports fandom so much more fun and so much more interesting. And I still have these memories when I was fifteen years old. Uh, I went, no, I was younger. God, what am I saying? I was 10 or 11. It was 86, and I went to England because my grandparents uh, had a, this small house in England that they spent some time in. And Roger Clemens was in the middle of his, uh, you know, started the season 14 and 0. Right. And I was getting, I was like getting the results of those games over the summer, you know, four days later with the International Herald Tribune. And <laughs> it was like, I was living, I was like so nervous. I, there was no way to do it. You couldn't find the score of a baseball game. And even, you know, uh, when I was in the States when I was a kid, you know, young people don't remember this, but you would wake up and look at the sports page and the West Coast games wouldn't be in the newspaper because they aired too late for them to get the results into the paper. It was just crazy. It was so hard to be a sports fan. And now you just have so much access to everything. And the the second that you have an a thought in your head about like who who, did Sam Crawford have 312 triples or 309 triples, you know, the answer four seconds later and obviously extends to other things besides just being a sports fan. Um, Any kind of information uh, that, that you need is just at your fingertips. And that is a really good thing. And we now take the internet for granted because, and it's like if, if the internet isn't available for free over Wi-Fi in every place you ever go in your daily life. You're furious. If it isn't in airplanes, you're furious. Um, and it, it, we should take a second to realize how amazing it is and what an incredible invention it is and how much better it's made all of our lives. It is amazing, by the way, how quickly we adapt to things and, yeah. and then assume that they have been around forever and that we have every right to them. I mean, that's just an amazing... Yeah, you know, Louis, Louis C.K. has that great bit, right? It's everything is amazing and nobody's happy. And right. if you haven't seen it, just Google that phrase. Everything everything is amazing and nobody's happy. It's, it's hilarious because I, I had this moment the other day where somebody on Twitter uh, tweeted out something along the lines of, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much Katie Couric is getting from Yahoo. 
right? This was this was a, t- a tweet. And and being completely out of the loop, I, I didn't even know that Katie Couric was going to Yahoo. And so I was like, oh, I need to know how much money she's making, and I need to know now. And I, <laughs> and I could not find it on the Internet. It was not available on the Internet. I mean, it was there somewhere, I'm sure. But I, I, you know, was was trying like Katie Couric salary, Katie Couric Yahoo, Katie Couric money, Katie Couric billionaire, and nothing. I'm getting nothing, and I was mad. I was yeah. really angry yeah. that I could not get that. That's yes, that's a, that's a, a thing you didn't know existed. <laughs> you were angry that you couldn't get all the information about it one second later. Yeah, one second, literally. That's right, because it was like ten minutes later. I knew, but but like. <laughs> But for those for those ten minutes, I was just outraged, and that's absurd. And yeah. and and I should know that. I mean, you know, we all should know that. But I should know that as well as anybody, because I used to, you know, I was a I was a journalist before the internet, and you know, back then you would like, oh, hey, what did uh, what was Johnny Bench's career, you know, batting average? Forget it. Like, go to the go to the baseball encyclopedia book if you could find yeah. it. I mean, there was no way to know that stuff. Go to your baseball cards. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it. it I, I I have to agree. You have to be thankful for the internet, even with the relative negatives that it brings, such as goofballs like me trying to find out what Katie Couric is making. So, so I will I will counter that with um, something that uh, that I don't know if everybody is thankful for this, but I but I am. Um, I'm thankful for the for the aisle where you can pay at the register in grocery stores. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for this thing. For self-checkout. That's self-checkout. Like self-checkout in grocery stores? I am putting self-checkout on my list. And, this, and... Is, this is a new, this is a new love of meaningfulness <laughs> for, for, for this podcast. This is really, really a new basement that you've discovered. Yes, I have. I've discovered this and I'm not apologetic about it at all. Okay. Because I need to be able to be in control of my own checkout. I just, I feel like, <laughs> you know, like one of the great moments for me was when you suddenly could like pay at the pump for gas stations. I loved that. Like instantly. Sure. I thought that was the greatest thing ever. And I used to go into grocery stores and, um, and I wait in line and, and then I, you know, go to the, to the, to the counter or whatever. And, you know, the person who could do, who like does the, the, you know, they scan the, the items. They're way faster than I am. And they're way better at it than I am. And they won't make mistakes like I will. And when you pay at the checkout, inevitably, like, the thing will freeze up in the middle and somebody will have to come over and help me because I don't know what I'm doing. But I still love it anyway (laughs) because it's like I'm in complete control. I like those moments where I am in complete control of my life. And I go there. I can take as long as I need to to to, to scan the items. It's, It's And I don't have to, like, I don't have to feel... Guilty. I felt like I, like I don't like when you go places. Like you go to a hotel or something, and and you walk in, and then there are people there that they want to grab your luggage and help you. And I don't really. I feel guilty being helped in any way, shape, or form. So I like just being able to do things myself. I'm a huge fan of the self checkout. So, just a, a quick <laughs> recap here towards the end of the podcast. The thing you loved about Thanksgiving football is that boring teams play meaningless games. Right. And the thing you're most second most thankful for <laughs> in the world is a system that you agree you're not good at and at which you make a lot of mistakes. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. But I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I don't have a problem with making mistakes. To me, it's like I can do it. First of all, that line's always open. I just because no nobody else is stupid enough to use it, and then I go and use it, and and it takes forever. If I have the kids, I let them do it. It's like it's like a it's it's like a little party at the end of your shopping trip. You get the all sorts of joy with it. So I'm a huge fan. Not apologizing at all. Thought about making it my number one choice, to be honest with you, <laughs> but decided to go with Vin Scully there instead. But number right. two choice. Well, you know, look, that is a, that's a very very trifling and absurd answer and (laughs) i am going to blow you out of the water with something that is actually meaningful Um, to not to get too serious here for a second but my third choice is something that's actually very meaningful and very important and very relevant and that is peanut butter and jelly sandwiches (laughs) now here's the thing (laughs) peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are the best food that's not debatable it's the best food you can eat at any time of the day, for any reason, any time I'm eating something other than a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I wish I were eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And that applies 
not to like just like fancy dinners out at restaurants, but it will apply tomorrow night when I'm eating Thanksgiving dinner. When I'm eating like delicious turkey and cranberries and sweet potatoes and and, uh, stuffing and all that stuff, it will be delicious and I'll be happy, blah, blah, blah. I will internally, the running monologue in my head will be, I wish I were eating peanut butter and jelly sandwich. There's, there's There's no substitute in the world for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And uh, I, I don't know who invented it, really. Uh, I know that I personally have perfected it. I know that for a fact. I toast the bread at the exact right level. It's the right kind of bread. It's the right kind of peanut butter. It's the right kind of jelly or jam. Uh, and I, I just I want to live in a world where the, everybody is constantly thinking about how important it is that this thing was invented because it's the best food, and I, w- I will not listen to any argument otherwise. <laughs> well, well, I'm glad. I'm glad that uh, that we could break away from my my uh, your, choice. your ridiculous my thing. ridiculous choice to to a much more involved choice. All right, so I, I have so many questions, but I'll, I'll limit it to just a couple of. Sure. First of all, what is the the best kind of jelly for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Raspberry. The raspberry jelly. Raspberry, yes, and it's the it's the kind with like real fruit in it that's that's like got like the little seeds the kind of texture to it it's not the crummy like you know um store-bought like super loaded up with sugar kind of like it's not not the like jelly that like wiggles it looks like jello that stuff is garbage you need like organic real like made with real fruit with like you know some real texture to it Okay, but now is, isn't that is that jam? What's the difference yeah. between jam and jelly? Jelly is the goo, is the like lame sort of sugary cr- uh, stuff. I don't want to okay. I don't want to curse. It's the <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the jelly is the gross stuff that is pointless, and uh, uh, it's like jelly and white bread are the same amount of unacceptable. <laughs> white bread is completely unacceptable. It it's multi grain, thick, hearty bread. It's real organic jam, and by the way. It's also crunchy peanut butter, and if you think that creamy peanut butter is the correct peanut butter to put on your sandwich, you are essentially a war criminal, and I have no time for you. <laughs> I hope nobody who's is listened this far into this thing, by the way, at, at this point. I'm hoping people cut off about 20 minutes ago. Why? Um, this is important. People need to hear this. <laughs> so, okay, so so raspberry jam. Yeah. By the way, you, it should be a peanut butter and jam sandwich, right? Cuz you don't really believe in jelly. Technically, I know it's it's a it's uh it's a misnomer, but I still I think it should still be called a peanut butter and jelly sandwich even though I don't advise the eating of jelly. It's a better name. It yeah. is a better name. Okay. All right, so you have multigrain bread, yeah. raspberry jam, Correct. crunchy peanut butter, Correct. and and how do you make it? We, toast, we, you toast the bread to a light golden brown. Okay, just, just enough toasting to like heat up the bread and make it a little bit uh, hard uh, so that the, it's spread more easily spreadable. You want a little bit of crunch when you butt into it, but not like burned or anything. Okay. Now, and this is the controversial thing. I've taken a lot of heat for this, but I've withstood the pressure from the from the <laughs> chattering masses. You put the peanut butter and jelly on the same side of the bread. I know this is controversial, and everyone gets mad at me when I say this, but that is the way you do it. You put a thick layer of peanut butter down. Then you put the jam on top of the peanut butter, and then you take the clean second piece of bread and you put it on top. And you cut it in half, and you cut it in half so that it not corner to corner. Corner to corner is nonsense. <laughs> Never cut corner to corner. You cut it right down the middle, and then you eat, uh, you eat the smaller half first so that you have the bigger half to look forward to. I can, I can understand that. I can understand the eating smaller half first. Um, I, I totally I, – I, I, you feel so strongly about this that I just hate to be the one that totally disagrees with everything you just said. But, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I, I disagree with all of it. But, but let's just start with the basic point. How can you put the peanut butter and jelly on the same side? It's, what, it's just what you do. And, no, no. And yes, but, sorry. And I, I understand the arguments. The arguments are, oh, it, it, the, the peanut butter, yeah, it, it's harder to spread on the peanut butter and blah, blah, blah. It's not, all of it's nonsense. I tr- trust me, this is the correct way to do it. It just is. That's what you do. And if you put the jelly on one side of the bread that's clean, the jelly then kind of moistens the bread in a way that's unacceptable. It's, you can't do it. You've got to put the, the jam on the same on the peanut butter after you put the peanut butter on the first slice of bread. You just have to do it that way. How many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches could you eat 
like in, in one sitting? That's a good question. Like assuming a normal amount of hunger. Yeah, a normal amount. Not you're yeah, not normal super amount hungry. of hunger. Like it's twelve thirty, and I had breakfast at like seven. I could probably eat six to ten peanut butter <laughs> and jelly sandwiches. I would say, if left to my own devices. Six to ten. That's yeah, kind of what I was. That's a wild guess. I mean, if if we're, I mean, more often than not, when I get home at night, if I haven't eaten dinner, I just. My wife asks me, like, oh, says there's leftovers here, or there's this, or there's that. And while she's doing that, like in a trance, <laughs> I'm just going to the refrigerator and getting a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for myself. <laughs> well, I, I, I love the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's, it's a great thing. I don't agree at all with your construction methods and, um, and, and feel like you've, you've kind of lost it. But, but that's, it's still something well worth being thankful for. So, uh, so we'll, we'll go from there. And I'm going to go right into another weird, uh, thankful one. Um, I am so thankful, way more than I ever thought I would be, for, for the tennis channel. I am unbelievably <laughs> thankful for the tennis channel. I, you know, I, I didn't even know we had a tennis channel. I mean, it's like one of those things that just comes on, uh, you know, your, your package, if you get the sports package or whatever. And, and I love tennis. I'm a big tennis guy. But I'm not... I'm not a person who would normally watch like the Monte Carlo Open or whatever. Having the tennis channel has been like the single most relaxing thing in my life. I talk about how much I love Thanksgiving football because I don't care. Nothing is better in my mind for like relaxing, nothing, than watching two tennis players you do not care at all about. Do not know anything about them you just sit down doesn't matter man or woman doubles singles does not matter you just sit down in front or i do <laughs> nobody else does i i'm sure i sit down in front of the tv and i'm like flipping channels um what used to happen is i would flip channels and i'd end up at the tennis channel and i'd go oh hey i'll watch this for a few minutes and usually it was because somebody decent was on a jokovic or somebody was 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 playing and then I started flipping and a little more often, and, and it would be nobody playing, and I would still watch. And now I don't even flip channels. I just go to my, to my chair, and I say, hey, I'm turning on the tennis channel. And for the next two hours, I will watch blindingly irrelevant tennis. I mean, just, just the kind of tennis that, like, no, nobody's even in the stands. It's like the second round of, like, the Malaysia, you know, whatever and nobody's even there, and I'm watching it, and I just feel like this is something so awesome. I am so thankful for this. So, uh, total big plug for the Tennis Channel. Awesomeness. Keep doing what you're doing. Stop doing these, like, feature-type things. Don't care. I want to watch Irrelevant Tennis. Please, more Irrelevant Tennis for me. Would you watch, let me ask you this, what if they were airing two decent, like, country club tennis pros just rally? Would you watch that? <laughs> Um, I, I gotta say to no. Okay, it has to be a tournament. I think it has to be a tournament. I think they have to be at a certain level. I mean, even though these guys are irrelevant, they're unbelievably awesome. They're like a hundred times better than anybody you know, right? I mean, it's like, you've never heard of them. I've never heard of them. But if you're 138th in the world, you're still like really good at it. Yeah. So I, I do think of like, if it was like, like, you know, the guy down the street who's like a tennis pro, if I was, I wouldn't watch him play. But but I would watch like the 219th player in the world from from Indonesia. I would watch him. Interesting. Yeah. It's, all right. It's, that's that's we all need we all need our escapes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My number four choice is uh, it's a little bit close to the internet in some ways, but uh, I think it's different enough. I'm going with credit cards. Credit cards. I'm extremely <laughs> thankful for credit cards, and it's because it. Again, it's something that has made everyone's life easier. Now, obviously, they, there's a lot of problems with credit cards. People abuse credit cards, and they allow people to buy things that they shouldn't buy and that they can't afford, and then they make a ton of money by basically bilking people with like usury-level interest <laughs> rates and stuff. And they can be very evil. But in general, again, I remember a time when we went to the grocery store and we had to like write a check for groceries, which is absurd. You're carrying a checkbook around <laughs> and you have to write a check for groceries. Uh, it was insane. The, the difficulty of traveling, for example, going to going abroad and, and you had to go get traveler's checks and then <laughs> or you had to go take cash and go to a bank and do it all at once. And it was just insane. And now 
the world has become much smaller thanks to these little plastic cards. And you can go to an ATM in, in Dublin and just take out money like you're, like you're a native of that country. And uh, it, the, the ease with which things are now purchased and moved around the world is, is huge. And, you know, assuming that you're not the victim of credit card fraud or identity theft or anything <laughs> like that, which is obviously problematic, um, they're really, they've made everybody a lot, they've made everyone's life a lot happier. And, uh, and again, you just take it for granted. You take it for granted that you can walk in any store, any place in the world and pull out a, a plastic card and buy something in that country. It's really crazy when you think about it. So I'm, I'm thankful for the ease of use of credit cards. It's, it's funny because I actually had credit cards on my list, which, oh, really? is, which is sad to me that we both had that same thought. Um, <laughs> but, but carrying money is no fun. Right, I mean, it's just no fun. Like having to, like, and then you get change. You don't want that. You don't want coins. Um, I, I just think, when was the first moment that you realized that if something was like two dollars and ninety six cents, you could still pay for it with a credit card? Like that was the moment that it was like this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Like you know, you could go to McDonald's and and buy a meal with a credit card. It's like it used to be that when we were younger that the only way you used a credit card was for large purchases. Right. I mean, that was the only thing you used it for. And now you can use it for anything, absolutely anything. Yeah, yeah. And, the, you know, the fraud protection has gotten really good. Like, I, you know, if you, if you go, like, one, one mile outside of the normal zone that you usually travel in and buy, a, buy something, like, you'll get a phone call. They say, oh, yeah. making sure this is, you know... And that's great. Like it's, you know, I mean, again, there's a lot of problems because people are very smart about how to steal numbers and stuff. But um, it, it, it's they're, they're, the system is getting better and better. and They keep tweaking it and perfecting it. And, and uh, I'm very happy with it. Well, plus, plus, I think the stuff we're thankful for, we, we cannot, cannot worry about people who abuse those things. Right. It's like the right. people that abuse the tennis channel. That's, that's I, what I say. I have nothing to do with them. Yeah. All right, credit cards, excellent, excellent choice. Um, not really, but you know we've. Um, <laughs> my choice is 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 even worse. I, you know, I have a list of like twenty things here that I'm thankful for, and some things that I'm thankful for are like I look at them and I'm like, well, yeah, of course everybody's thankful. For. So I, I need to stick with the stuff that nobody else is thankful for. I am totally thankful for that moment when a taxi cab picks you up on the street. Totally thankful for taxi cabs. Now, part of this is just for, for traveling a lot. And, and obviously, for my job, I do. I travel to, to many, many different places. Um, and there are some places that there are, you know, obviously like New York, where it's, it's great taxi service and whatever. But there are a lot of places in the country where, um, you know, there isn't great taxi service or, or really any other kind of, of public transportation. And so you have, you have to go through this huge process uh, of trying to get a taxi cab, calling them and waving and all of this sort of thing. Boston, uh, for instance, is not a good taxi uh, city in, in my view, or I've, or, or I've had very bad experiences with taxis. So that moment where you're kind of in the middle of nowhere, you're in the middle of a, of a city you don't know, you're 15 miles away from where you need to be, whether it's your hotel or, or where my job takes me or whatever – that moment where a, a taxi cab guy actually just pulls over and says, yes, come on in. I will take you there. I will take you there myself. That to me is like such a great moment. It's such a, it's such a, you know, and of course you have to pay them a ridiculous amount of money, but it's such a, uh, it's such a wonderful thing for me. Um, and, and that probably is, like I say, just because I travel so much, but, but I, I love uh, I love that moment when the taxi cab stops. Yeah, it is a huge relief. And living in New York, there were times when like it would be freezing cold and or raining and you would be late at night and you would just think like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And then suddenly you see a cab coming up over, you know, Sixth Avenue or something and the light is on and the feeling of joy and relief you have <laughs> is so, so massive. Uh, it really is a like uh, it's a great feeling when a cab pulls over and you know that you're safe now and you can get in and, and get to where you ever you need to be. That's a, that's a good one. It's very specific and very niche, 
but um, <laughs> but I but I I'm with you on this. Yeah, yeah, there is. That's that indescribable feeling. I actually had that moment at the World Series this past year where this woman uh, cab driver pulled over, and uh, I mean, just that feeling. And then I get in, and she talked like the entire drive. <laughs> the I mean, literally from the start to the finish, famous people that she had driven. Before. Sure. The entire drive. So and it started with like a rod, which is which is bad because it's it's only going downhill from yeah. a rod. So by the end it was like, <clears throat> you know, the guy who played on you know thirty something or whatever. And uh, so it wasn't it wasn't there. But she talked the entire time, and I had a splitting headache and I was exhausted and and I just wanted to get home, but I didn't care. I was so thankful that this person had picked me up and to, to get me where I needed to go. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great experience. So there we go. Well, for my fifth choice, I'm taking something. I frankly can't believe it's still on the board. <laughs> I thought for sure you were going to take it. Um, and it, it, it's amazing, frankly, that it lasted this long and I'll bet anything you have it on your list because it's such a universally adored thing. And that thing of course is Aaron Boone's sense of integrity. <laughs> so Aaron Boone it's the home run off Tim Wakefield to end the 2003 ALCS and breaks my heart. Then he's playing a pickup basketball game and he tears up his knee. And he has a clause in his contract that says that the Yankees can void his contract if he has a basketball or other sports-related injury in the offseason. So he could have lied and he could have said, you know, he fell down the stairs or something. But instead, he does the, uh, the, the honest thing. And he tells them the truth. He says, I was playing basketball and I tore up my knee. They released him and then they got A-Rod. <laughs> and ever <laughs> since that moment, my life had been amazing. Like my life as a Red Sox fan has been incredible since that moment. Because the next year, the Red Sox beat the Yankees in 2004 and coming back from 3L, blah, blah, blah. They, they won two more World Series since then. Now, granted, the Yankees did win in 09. And that was a bummer to watch A-Rod throwing his glove up in the air and trying really hard to replicate the feelings that a human being would have when <laughs> happy and doing a pretty good job. Like the software update that they loaded into his brain computer did a pretty good job of replicating actual human emotion in that moment. But other than that blip, pretty much everything that has happened in the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry since Aaron Boone told the truth has been incredible. And this latest round of kind of insane like blow ups and freak outs and lawsuits and counter lawsuits and you know uh everything that's going on is uh, you know you hate to take joy in others misery but in this case <laughs> i i don't have a problem with it at all i'm really i'm really enjoying it so thank you aaron boone's internal sense of integrity thank you to i assume his parents close friends or other relatives who instilled that sense of integrity in him that led him to telling the truth and his contract being voided and then the Yankees getting A-Rod. That's the fifth, the thing I'm fifth most thankful for on earth right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking that before the thing was over with, we were definitely going to be praising Bob Boone for his uh, child-rearing skills. Yeah. I think we all felt that was going to That was going to happen at some point. <laughs> at some point. It was really just a matter of when. Um, yeah, I, well, I, I don't know that, that I give full credit to uh, to Aaron Boone for for what has happened to the Yankees, but uh, but I'm okay with it. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm really okay. You, you know, the Yankees now are going to be. I think I think they're going to be terrible. I mean, I really think that they're going to to hit a stretch of of, of time. And you and I argue about this all the time because you don't believe that'll ever happen, and and I I think it will. Um, I think they're going to be terrible, and I'm not sure what that will mean as a baseball fan. I mean, if they become like irrelevant, like they did in the eighties um, and, and early nineties, it'll be awesome, but it'll also be, I mean, it's, it really is star Wars without, without, you know, the empire. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, and, and those star Wars without the empire were terrible. If we had, um, if we had access to an archive of every thing that you and I have ever said out loud <laughs> in our lives, now would be a really good time to play a rapid-fire montage of us saying the Yankees were about to be terrible <laughs> every year for the last, like, eight years. It would be really funny to do that right now. Like, well, this year they're definitely going to be terrible. Well, now this they're definitely going to be terrible. And it, they, they were terrible last year, and they won 85 games and were right. in for much of the year. So 
just reminding you of that. It would be great. It would be great if I could get like that machine from like uh, War Games to just read our emails back and forth about the Yankees. Yeah, that'd just be how, great. how yeah how terrible I think they're going to be and how you're like thinking I'm insane. All right, so uh, so I'm down to my last one, and uh, my last thing of being thankful for is uh, my wife and kids. And no, I can't wait a second. I can't do that. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> That'd be great if I not only did that, but I did it as my fifth choice. That would really be behind the tennis channel <laughs> and taxis picking you up <laughs> and grocery store self checkout. My fifth thing that I'm thankful for is uh, touch football. I am totally thankful for touch football, um, and and I'm thinking, you know, as 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 the NFL gets more and more violent, and as it becomes less and less sort of palatable in some way. Uh, to watch these ferocious hits and to see people come back from concussions and all of these other things. I keep thinking about how awesome it is. Like you're driving through a neighborhood and you see a bunch of kids and they're playing touch football. And it's like the same sport sort of, but, but not at all. I mean, you know, it's like you could conceivably get hurt. I mean, I have, um, but not really. I mean, it's not. There's not really any danger uh, playing touch football. The, the game is still the same. You're still running and throwing and passing and and blocking to some degree, and it's like it, it, it's like it's the one part of football that I can still feel exactly the same way I've always felt about it. I always get this like warm feeling. I love like on Thanksgiving. I will literally tomorrow. This is sad to say. Uh, but I will drive around looking for touch football games because I just love just seeing them, just just driving by and watching kids play football, and and I just think there's something so cool about it, and it, it feels like there's things that the NFL could learn from touch football. I mean, I, I they won't because part of the the joy of football for us is the violence and the and the the huge hits and the the danger factor and all that, but. Football, when you just when it's just two hand touch, when that's all it is, it it reduces the game down to something that I kind of still love and and kind of wish there was more of, um, you know, at the, at the highest levels. So, my final choice: touch football. I like it. It's a good one to end on. There you go. The, plus, we got to see the Kennedys do it, so that was always cool. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So I think uh, I think you know what I, I imagine people were at home sort of charting uh, our draft and, like, checking it off their list. You know, yeah. like on, you know, sure, taxis, get that off the list, peanut butter and jelly. They they knew coming in. Um, I think it was just surprising what order we put them in. Yeah, I'll bet there's probably, you know, 80% overlap universally <laughs> with all of these things we've chosen. It's probably like 8 out of 10. We're on everyone's list, and then there were a couple wild cards. A couple of wild cards that threw in there. So, of course, I, I should probably end this thing by saying um, – we really are thankful for all the same stuff that everybody else is thankful for. And we're thankful for the six people that will listen to this as well. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I, I'm thankful for I'm Very thankful, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, happy Thanksgiving again. Thanks again for, uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, anytime, literally anytime. Call me anytime. 